Uh, hey everyone, we're the Con Artists. This is Dan. Uh, we've also got uh, Brendan and Scott here, and we're here to talk to you about uh, what we like to call shows for bros. Uh, various shows that are big with uh, big with your guy friends and uh, undeniably manly. So, what do we mean when we say manly? I guess um, it's mainly something that when you watch it, you want to show it to your guy friends. Like that's the first thing you think of. Oh, you know, Joe or Max or whoever the heck is gonna love this. At the same time, it's something that may not appeal immediately to your female friends. Otherwise, it would just be a show with really broad appeal. And this doesn't, to clarify, this doesn't mean stuff that is just, you know, heavily male-oriented fan service, though that may be a factor in not showing it to the ladies. It's more about, um... Well, Scott, why don't you explain? Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good disclaimer to start with, I think. Like, we're not going to be talking about harem anime, generally. The reasons why you don't want to show those to your female fans should be pretty obvious. The objectification of women, etc. That's not really what we're here to cover anyway. These are shows that you want to show to your male friends, not that you're embarrassed to show your female friends. So I guess I'll... Good way of putting it. Yeah. I guess I'll uh, kick off uh, sort of what I feel manly shows are classified into. I've got three categories the way I think about it. The first category is probably your stereotypical manly show, Burning Manly Spirit. This is your shows that have a lot of yelling and powering up and fighting. The strength of your spirit defines how effective you are, and you're almost always fighting like individually on a man-on-man level. I mean, this is the kind of show where who wants to have your fights be determined by training or better equipment because you just think the good guy should win because he's right. Or, you know, maybe just because he's the good guy or the protagonist mm-hmm. or whatever. In terms of genre, this defines almost all robot anime, I feel, and quite a lot of the tournament and fighting anime type stuff fall into this category. Yeah, I think I'll be talking a little bit more about that later myself, but uh, yeah, generally, as you said, lots of yelling, lots of powering up, lots of, you know, pulling uh, hitherto unknown superpowers out of your butt to uh, succeed uh, despite all of the odds. Yeah, they probably named Pure on screen with some cool characters. You know the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, the total opposite of this category, which is interesting that it still fits into the overall Manly Shows thing, is what I would call like a stoicism sort of thing. Uh, This is kind of like quiet manliness. It's a lot of things about where men are fighting for ideals or for things larger than themselves, like defending the earth or noble self-sacrifice or things. This is pretty rare unless you're looking at a war or conflict-centered show on a large scale. A perfect example would be you picture the crew of a starship sailing into the deep unknown to defend the Earth. They all turn back to a man and salute, possibly a single manly tear, and then they leave to fight. That's the kind of show we're thinking of here. Now, villains, interestingly, can have this sort of thing going too. There's guys that have, they're absolutely dedicated to their ideals or yell something like, glory to the something or other empire, right before they enter a doomed battle or go off and kill themselves or something. So if they're very committed to their organization, they can have this sort of thing going on, too. Uh, so this is like war anime are in here. Some crossover with science fiction and fantasy, usually if those are also about war. This also tends to be the whole filmography of Leiji Matsumoto, but we'll get to specific shows in a while. Uh, you guys got anything on that before I move on? Not really. I would say that, uh, yeah, you're pointing out of uh, Matsumoto there. As you said, we'll get to it later, but uh, that pretty much covers, uh, I'd say, 90% of... Uh, 80% of those shows. Yeah, and then goodness for it, it's a pretty cool thing. And lastly, oh, yeah. we've got uh, you know, like the personal badass. Like This could be one of these other shows, types of shows, but probably isn't. It has a protagonist, an individual male protagonist, or usually male, who's super strong, but it's not his spirit, but it makes him strong. It's his training or some kind of unique power or just being awesome like for no obvious reason. He just is. He can defeat his enemies without breaking a sweat. He looks cool doing it. He's probably an anti-hero. And this tends to be a lot of the samurai shows, certain kinds of war show, crime dramas, and quite a bit of the post-apocalypse stuff. Uh, so something like, uh, I know we haven't all seen this, but uh, like Fist of the North Star is probably the most obvious example of that. And again, mostly know it by reputation, but uh, that's the sort of thing you're talking about, right? It's Yeah, I mean, although that's really personal baddest mixed with a bit of manly fighting spirit in there since there's a lot right. of special moves and yelling. Good uh, point. Let's see. And, uh, as for, so those are the three types of shows. What you may notice that they have in common is they're almost all about physical conflict. And women in these shows tend to be secondary or absent entirely, 
may be part of very simplified romance plot lines for the main character, but it's like romance is almost never the focus of these shows and may not may not exist at all in them. So that's what I've got. All right. Uh, I'd like to dive into a little bit more specifics in terms of some of the kinds of shows that you mentioned. Uh, like The Tournament Fighter, for example, for me at least, is probably the archetypical manly show format. Uh, it was, and still to a pretty big extent, is one of the more common uh, shounen anime formulas. It's a bit like the old Monster of the Week deal, but with a bit more structure. Usually there's some kind of official or unofficial tournament going on. You know, think Street Fighter or whatever is happening, but uh, not always. Sometimes it's more of a loose, uh, more of a loose structure, and it's almost always focused on a young male protagonist uh, who usually is fighting for some kind of personal reason, often being driven by revenge or trying to make up for past failures, and he gathers together a team, almost always of other, you know, other badass dudes around him, and proceeds to fight against all kinds of crazy villains. So the appeal of this kind of show, along with, you know, the burning manly spirit and everything that you were talking about, is that there's a, because there's such a well-trod structure, it's relatively easy to follow. Like, you don't have to generally pay attention to a lot of backstory. The motivations for why people are fighting are usually, or at least everyone besides the main character, are usually pretty secondary. But they can still spring some cool surprises on you with, you know, exciting fights or unique power sets, weapons, etc., um, and there's pretty much always going to be some action going on in each episode, so you can look forward to that, and now and then they'll get into some personal introspection as to, you know, why they're fighting, or what it all means, or if they're really going to be able to succeed. Um, we'll get into more, uh, specifics on the individual types of shows later, but, uh, you think of things like, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, I would argue that, uh, a lot of Dragon Ball Z and Rurouni Kenshin would also qualify, but they're under a much more, I guess, broader umbrella, I suppose. Well, yeah, they also tend to have slightly longer plot lines than sing that is single true. episode tournament type stuff. But it's, yeah, okay, point taken. Yeah. And uh, what you also mentioned, Scott, the war drama is probably the other easiest one to find. A lot of it is because, in general, now obviously this is a this is a broad statement, and we don't mean to, to discount anyone here. There are plenty of girls that love a good war drama, love mecha shows, love all of that kind of stuff. But in general, in my experience, guys have been the primary target audience for those. And, you know, more often than not, these things are set in space, and they're all about these, you know, these unflappable stoic heroes, or occasionally, you know, the young hothead. They're big on moving uh, speeches, huge set-piece battles, and questions about, you know, why we fight, what victory means, similar to the uh, tournament fighter, but it's usually waxing a lot more philosophical in terms of, like, the big scale. Like, is this all worth it, and, you know, what are we willing to sacrifice to achieve our goals, that kind of thing. And adjacent to that is the highly technical nature of a lot of these shows. Anything to do with war machines and such are going to pr they're probably going to bring in a lot of the workings and firepower of the various ships, mechs, etc. and they're going to get ex discussed either in exhausting detail in the show or there's going to be a ton of like bonus material, like technical readouts, schematics, all that kind of stuff. A lot of fun for the more mechanically inclined or interested nerds among us. I do so love me like... some of that, it's true. The military otaku oh, yeah. sort of thing, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, just I have a I have a big big uh love for any kind of you know show that gives me a lot of good mechanical designs to work on they're just there's certain beauty to machines that uh, these kind of shows always love to capture um things like gundam macross gunbuster all of those kind of things can fit into this mold <laughs> and japan totally has that figured out you will often see in many anime not just these types where characters will say you know robots are a man's romance and they're right <laughs> like japan's right about that i think <laughs> There's even an entire subsection of this devoted purely to drills, but I think that, uh, <laughs> I don't think we need to get into detail on that. Let's just say that Gurren Lagan's got you covered if you're, uh, looking for that sort of thing. Oh, heavens. <laughs> uh, any other stuff you want to discuss, Brendan, or do we want to get into the, uh, more specific shows? I mean, I think you guys have pretty well covered the broad strokes. Oh, All right. Very nice. Fair enough. Well then, so specific shows. Yeah. So now we've talked about the generalities, but now is probably a good time to say. So, what are some of our favorites? What are some of the favorite our favorite shows in whatever genre definition we like? Uh, and since we've been talking for a while, Brennan, take it away. Well, I mean, 
It's uh, hard to get a more deliberately manly show than, like you said, Gurren Lagann, <laughs> which uh, has a lot of, you know, I mean, the, I believe the, uh, the method of piloting the Gonmen is literally, like, have a fighting spirit. <laughs> Perfect. And then, like, drill star popping out of everywhere. And, <laughs> uh, you get to go, like, kick stuff in the face. Yeah, it doesn't matter how Rip big up, or which bad is, your giant which may machine may not is. be the chest. Yeah, it doesn't matter how big or bad your machine is, you're still going to find a way to punch a dude in the face with your drill, eventually. Rip off another, rip off another robot's head and make it your own. <laughs> <laughs> Or, um, let's see. And I feel like that follows in the footsteps of uh, a show that some people have seen called Gao Gai Gar. It's got Gar right in the title. This one knows what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which was about a guy who was a cyborg who, uh, like, joins with a lion who was a robot. And, uh, it's a very uh, it's a very transforming mecha kind of show or combining mecha kind of show. Like, How many uh, things end up combining by the end of it to, for them to form that wait, big robot? You mean, wait, wait, it's, there's so many levels of bigger robot in this show. I don't even know which one you're talking about. Like the, the base <laughs> robot is probably five transforming pieces plus the cyborg guy, but it eventually That's turns into just three. It, it gets ridiculous. And then, oh yeah, and I believe. Uh, I uh, I actually got Sue to watch Gal Gagar once, and she described it as uh, like the quintessential show for a ten year old boy, <laughs> especially when it came to the uh, the police car robot who uh, was named Volfog, who combined with a motorcycle and a helicopter to become Big Volfog. Which does sound like a trapper keeper drawing, like right there. Everything everything <laughs> a ten year old boy wants in one thing. He's a police car and a helicopter and a motorcycle and a ninja. He's also a ninja. Like I don't think we also also a ninja. Who's a robot? By the way, he's a, he's a like a an AI robot. Like he's also not piloted. So he's all of those things at once. Oh, brother. Hmm. Yes, Galagar is. It's hard to get. Uh, I don't know. Better than that when it comes to robot shows that just keep building on themselves. Hmm. Anything else uh, you can think of there, Brennan? Um, for a very different kind of giant robot, one that's not so much piloted or autonomous, sort of in between the two, you have the classic, uh, like, commanded robot. Oh. And, uh, this is, like, perhaps no better anime has captured this than Giant Robo, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which was an OVA that was made, like, throughout the entire decade of the 1990s, uh... And I am uh, I am blanking on the guy's name. Doctor Shizuma. Who? No, no, the uh, creator. Because oh, this draws from a wide variety of this guy's work, really. Uh, was the Tessujin Twenty Eight guy? I'm pretty sure. Okay, because I mean, Tessujin he also guy? kind of he basically pioneered the whole you know kid with a watch or something that shouts to you know command his robot to do things. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And it's uh, it's all about like. A, teams of uh, or opposing, uh, like, like I don't know if philosophies is the right word, but uh, you've got like the experts of justice who are a bunch of uh, dudes with interesting superpowers, if not like crazy su- over, uh, superpowers, and they're all fighting against the organization Big Fire, which has uh, a couple of like, superpowered dudes of their own, and also some like disturbing super technology. Uh, again, interesting, interestingly, not a lot of women in this show. Uh, I think all of the ones that are, are either married to or, uh, were daughters of actual male characters in the show. Hmm. And of course it's, uh, I mean, it's actually, genre was pretty interesting in not only being, you know, a robot show with some of the stuff that, that implies, but not as much as you're expecting. And also sort of like a super powered, almost fighting show kind of. Like, most of the characters on the team, like, no one else has a robot but the kid. Like, everyone else fights on the ground, you know, on foot. So it's got... And they have some pretty interesting battle sequences. Definitely. Uh-huh. So, like, it's, it's kind of almost two genres in one. Great OVA. Yes, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Very, very high quality. I'll definitely have to take a look at that. I think I'm the only one here who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. Well, with full hour-long episodes, it's a, it's a pretty intense watch, but it's worth it. 
Let's see. So maybe I'll do a couple here. Uh, and I mean, Gunbuster. How can you beat going back to you know before there was Gurren Lagann? Essentially, there was Gunbuster. Before there was Galgaigar. Before there was Galgaigar, there was Gunbuster, which is another, which is a Gainax title, much like Gurren Lagann is later. And that had, and actually, this is an oh. interesting one, right? Because it's actually two female characters that, that are the protagonists, but it has all of the aspects of the genre. It's got the robots. It's got shouted attack names. Uh, hmm. It's got explosions, and it also it also has some of the stoicism stuff. As you know, the team is basically going off into deep space to protect the Earth from a overwhelmingly powerful alien menace, uh, and it has to leave behind everything, like the effects of time dilation due to travel you know, fast and light travel or near light travel are taken into account. So they basically have to leave everything behind to go fight for this ideal of protecting the Earth. So it's actually got a lot of those things in it, despite not having male protagonists. So you can be manly and not have a guy as the main character. Although Coach that is... is pretty awesome. Uh, yes. Well, he's also kind of a jerk, but... Uh, well, whatever. That's, he's a, that's part He's a jerk for a good cause. Fair enough. He's a jerk for a good I cause. should also point out that the Gunbuster's default pose, speaking of stoicism, is it with its massive arms crossed over its chest. Like it's about... Yeah, the, the, like it's the bouncer on humanity's doorstep. <laughs> Which it basically is. <laughs> oh, God. So yeah, the Gunbuster pose is pretty famous. Because it, mm -hmm. it would just rocket around with its boosters while holding that pose. Like, it wouldn't punch stuff. Because, I mean, we're way beyond punching the aliens that we're fighting. So oh, that doesn't mean we don't punch a... the aliens, Scott. There's definitely some oh, punching. Oh, yes, I know. Along with like, missiles. But it's flying around lasers. using head lasers or whatever. Like, it's it's just standing that position. Pretty Fair. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, so then there's another giant robot show, Getter Robo Armageddon. If I could think of the most over-the-top manly show, and of course, of course, it's a Gonagai show, because those that's what he does, this <laughs> over-the-top manly robot anime. Get a Robo Armageddon, or probably anything in the Get a Robo cat you know, catalog, but that's the one I've seen. I mean, this is a show in which, I mean, I think there are a couple of female characters, but it's the guy characters who are important. They fight these terrifying aliens from outer space, and they do it by yelling, transforming robots, and making energy tomahawks that cleave planets in half. Because, dang it, when you're defending the Earth, nothing is uh, going to be saved. <laughs> so, pretty good. And actually, this next show I've got, Mazen Kaiser. Any of the Mazen Kaisers, although SKL is the one I've seen. Also, I believe, Gonagai. <laughs> uh, similar. Although, in this case, it's even more, like, one-sided. There's... I barely remember the plot. I think there's a planet full of people that are always fighting each other for reasons. And the Mazen Kaiser shows up for reasons also. And just beats up everyone else in its huge, <laughs> overwhelming, awesome robot, which is piloted by basically two dudes. And they've decided to take the side of, there's like a ladies side, basically, all women that pilot robots that are hilariously ineffectual uh, for the guys to come in and save. So The, the best way I could describe that, uh, that show from what little I have seen of it, or that movie rather, is basically, imagine if... Imagine if a giant mecha show crash-landed into a heavy metal album cover. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, as far <laughs> as I can tell, that's basically everything that happens there. Right. And there's a lot of Mazen Kaiser out there, but SKL, I think, is the most recent movie. It looks really good, but yeah, like every time they pose, it's like, yeah, that's probably a heavy metal cover right there. Mm -hmm. So those are the shows I've got under the robot category. All right. What do you got, Dan? Well, I got a few. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the giant, uh, the giant robots, of course. Uh, the probably the most obvious one I'd go for in this case. You guys have talked about like, you know, the really, you know, the the big super manly ones for the most part. I'm thinking there's a few that I can think of that are a little more on the fence that I think kind of uh, straddle the line into broad appeal, but still uh, focus on more of the manly aspects. I'd say Big O is one of those. As, you know, it's basically Batman, but with a giant robot. And it's yeah, pretty manly. Yeah. And, you know, the, the robot itself is very, you know, very obviously mechanical, but also has a very masculine sort of feel to the whole thing. Uh, you know, the the film noir sort of style definitely is definitely is one that is associated with, you know, guy movies and things that uh, things that we tend to like. Um, yeah, hard-boiled detective films, oh, yeah. definitely uh, more of a guy thing. Yeah, generally, generally speaking. And, 
on top of that, like, you know, it's, again, it's an evolution of the whole kid has, like, a communicator and, you know, controls a giant robot. In this case, he actually, you know, ha you know, Roger Smith, the main character, has a watch and he just shouts the thing's name into it to get it to come to him, bursting out of the ground on a series of, tra on a series of train tracks. Like, to the point where that thing is in the uh, show's opening. It's giant, like, train transport. Yes, Scott, I know you hate that opening. <laughs> that opening is... Guys, if you ever want to just be amazed at a thing that got made, like past all of the people that could have turned it down, go watch the English Big O. I don't know. The Japanese opening, opening isn't exactly much better. No, they're both awful. But yeah. like, holy moly, guys. Definitely a, <laughs> definitely a disservice to an otherwise pretty great show. Right. Um, another one, actually, I just uh, started rewatching this with uh, one of my other friends, uh, Macross Plus. Well, the whole Macross franchise in general could qualify into this. Um because generally speaking, it's about, you know, some young hotshot pilot in a transforming fighter jet out to punch alien aliens that are giants and also in robots. So, uh... Like, but Dan, where do they launch their planes from? <laughs> the You mean the space carrier that they have shoved onto the arm of their other bigger robot? Yes, it's a robot that wears, like, oh, is it a, a carrier in some other, like, spaceship as arms? <laughs> that entire that entire series is very much about, or at least the the original series, is very much about bodging things together until they work. I thought those were regular naval ships that accidentally got hyperdrived into space, and they just sort of cobbled it together to, like, keep the, oh, uh, yes. to seal the I pressure. I think that may have also That's totally happened. true. It is actually an earthbound, like, waterborne er aircraft carrier that they bodge onto its arm <laughs> and turn it into a space carrier launch arm yep and i remember i remember the other ship was but they use it to, to ram things <laughs> oh yeah that that entire like we won't spoil some of the craziest stuff they do with that but suffice to say that that is only scratching the surface of how they use those ridiculous ship arms um but uh yeah like that is definitely an example you know it's got uh it's got the captain the one whose like face is almost always half obscured by his hat uh all of that kind of stuff going on so it's you know it's giant robot plus, like, the space war drama thing. Um, but I would actually argue that one of the ones that is even more obviously designed to appeal to guys in a lot of ways is uh, one of the spin-off series, or miniseries, Macross Plus, which is basically uh, which is basically Top Gun in space. Like, I was showing... I explained that to my friend who I'm rewatching it with, and all he could say was, I have never heard something described so succinctly that made so much sense. Wait, wait, how much volleyball is there? Uh, mm, there isn't a lot of volleyball, though the, the, Dang it. though the guy does go around in, uh, in shorts and, like, a white beater quite a bit, so... All yeah. right, all right. Anyway, the, um... So, yeah, giant transforming robots, test pilots, like... Try, they, one of the major things that they're doing in that miniseries is trying to make sure that pilots can still be pilots rather than being replaced by drones. And this, by the way, is from tropical. This, by the way, is from 1994. <laughs> this is 10 years before. This is nearly 10 years before. Uh, you know, no, well, it's almost 20 years since before uh, drones became a big thing. Also, weird thing: main character voiced by Brian Cranston of all people. Huh. At least in the huh. English dub. Weird. Uh, weird side note there. Um, another example, uh, I would talk about would be, would have to be Full Metal Panic. Now, Full Metal Panic, the original sh series, has some flaws, but it is, it is about a young soldier who is essentially every military otaku's, like, dream come to life. This guy is a, he's like an expert soldier, he pilots a, like, special, uh, a special robot, um, he's backed up by a secret military organization that operates out of an enormous, uh, enormous uh, submarine, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a combination of, like, comedy shenanigans, robot fight and action, and the ridiculous hijinks he gets into while trying to pretend to be a normal person. So, If I were to say that any of the shows we've talked about so far had the broadest, like, appeal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to both genders, this would probably be the one. Fair enough. Uh, it's there's yeah, there's certainly more to appeal, I think, to the female audience than in most of these other shows we've been talking about. But all right, I'll still buy it. Yeah, all right. Kaname is like basically co-main character. Yeah, she's not a secondary or or absent character at least. That is a fair point. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, those about cover my uh, primary ones. Other than that, uh, I guess arguments could certainly be made for uh, Bubblegum Crisis, despite being again a female-led show. You know, it's all about the uh, it's all about the power armor. It's all about um, you know. It's all about fighting against an evil mega corporation to the uh, to a soundtrack that is just eighties all the way through. Um, though I would say probably more in keeping with the uh, the giant fighting robots would definitely be uh, Mobile Fighter G Gundam. Oh, so unfortunately, Sue's not here to discuss this with us because I think she's probably a bigger fan of that show than the rest of us put together. But it is utterly insane. It is. It is in some ways the dark uh, or the black sheep of the uh, Gundam family in the sense that they have abandoned the whole space war concept and now it is just every like major nation on Earth has flown into space and now, you know, builds giant robots to fight each other in a giant super tournament uh, for control of the Earth for every given year. Yeah, this has, if I remember correctly from what I've seen you know, about it, Burning Manly Spirit and tournament fighting and, and giant, giant robots. robots. It's got it all. Oh, absolutely. There's like, oh, so, many, so many named attacks. Like, the number of people who, I don't know if die necessarily, but the number of people, the number of times, you can judge a show on how manly it is to at least one extent by the number of times you see one person, like, kneeling on the ground, cradling another injured person in their arms and shouting their name to the sky. I'm pretty sure that happens quite a bit in Chi Gundam. <laughs> I can think of at least Good one example. very specific example, but uh, that's a little spoilery, so... We'll move on from yeah. there. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that pretty much covers the giant robot type thing. So let's move on to another fairly stereotypical uh, type of show, which is, we're just going to call it action and hyperviolence. Uh, I don't know what else to call it, but people may remember, uh, sort of 80s, 90s, there was a lot of shows that were decided to be very violent, very graphic. Uh, probably the poster child for this would be M.D. Geist. <laughs> A show in which, like, people get stabbed in the face with knives that have grenades on them. Like, people explode and you can see their face exploding, their guts are falling out. That sort of, of very gory detail. Uh, in a movie that's about the most dangerous soldier ever, who wakes up from his cryosleep when his satellite slams into the planet, immediately murders a bunch of guys, like, with a knife in a helicopter. Like, he, he somehow gets onto a like a helicarrier from the ground. And then just goes on a murderous rampage, killing pretty much everything he comes across and only staying his violence if there's a chance at killing more people. <laughs> the plot doesn't make a lot of sense, but I don't know. It's it's certainly not going to appeal to anybody, but guys, put it that way. <laughs> it, it, like, even guys are going to be like, really? Really, is this a thing? It's it's really for the spectacle, I think, but it is absolutely Definitely bananas. The spectacle. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is a movie we I featured as a bad anime at one of our panels. It's not a good movie, but it definitely typifies the sort of thing we're talking about. Mm. Uh, on a much better, in terms of much better rating, I guess, but in the same sort of vein would be Berserk, mm. uh, sort of a swords and sorcery, really just swords, uh, kind of show in which the main character guts wields like a cloud strife sized buster sword weapon and can take on huge numbers of dudes by himself and split them in half with the sword and so on. Uh, actually quite a bit better put together than I had expected going in, like a better plot than I had expected. Definitely for guys though. Good show. Very big, very big on the violence. It does not pull any punches. That is a, that is a gore fest. It's uh, basically if uh think uh, what's the best, what's the best, modern and analog i would probably say game of thrones or maybe like god of war or something yeah something like that it's gaming yeah. side Ugh. It, it it has some stuff that even thinking about it now is pretty unsettling so uh hope you have a strong stomach yeah but worth it empty mm. guys i can't say that berserk i can't yeah fair enough all right that's those are pretty much the two big examples i've got mm-hmm uh, well, my go-to example for something on this uh, sort of scale is Black Lagoon. It may not be quite as, like, bloody and violent as uh, the ones that you just described, but it's... Well, so more in the action category yeah, than the hyper-violence. It's definitely more in the, action, in the action aspect of it, and there is, you know... Uh, I would say that Black Lagoon is pretty much a Western action movie stretched out into a 
into a regular full-length anime series. Um, it's, you know, gunplay, uh, boats, fast cars, uh, copious references to actual, like, American action movies, like The Terminator is probably the, uh, or Terminator 2 is probably the most obvious one that people will get uh, when they watch it. But, um, like I said, lots of gun, uh, lots of gunplay, lots of, um, crazy fights with, uh, ridiculous, but still, I won't say realistic, but more reasonable enemies than a lot of these kinds of things, you know? Realistic guns, though. Oh, yeah. Like, it, again... They are big on their gun details, yes. Yeah, if you want to talk about, you know, that kind of obsession with very particular, uh, detail towards, like, weapons and vehicles and all of that, that show's got you covered. And uh, definitely worth the uh, definitely worth the time there. Um, on a somewhat older note, I would argue uh, Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust. Uh, very big on the whole gothic aesthetic. Very you know, there's very bloody. Not in the same way as the other ones, but I mean, there's a character in it whose robe is, as far as we can tell, literally made of blood. So uh, you know, it's a vampire. It's a vampire movie, um, and it also uh, fits into sort of the lone badass idea that you were talking about earlier, Scott. I mean, yeah, he's a cool guy, and he never breaks a sweat, but he always looks good killing people. Pretty much, that's D in a nutshell. Um, the novels uh, expand on him a little bit, but the movie is pretty much all you need to know to get started. So uh, I would definitely recommend that one, and it's also just a very gorgeous movie. So uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms of, like, you know, technical or art achievement, this is a really nice one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there are two more recent ones that I'd uh, say for the over-the-top action. Kill a Kill is definitely uh, of this kind of show. Again, though it is a female protagonist and female antagonist, it is definitely a female-run show, it is definitely aiming at a male audience. Now, part of this is is deliberate subversion, but it's also being pretty honest about what it is, so... If you want, like, insane, and I'm talking absolutely Bahooties fight scenes, Kill a Kill is your go-to in the in the last couple of years. Um, and a much stronger story than I think uh, any, any of us were expecting going into it, or at least I certainly was. Um, flashing back, I think a little bit before that, um, by, the same, by several of the same people, Pandy and Stocking. Now, this is a show that I did not have very high expectations to going in. I was, based on the name alone and the, the brief description, I wasn't exactly, like, thrilled to my core about this. But one of my friends convinced me to give it a try, and it is actually some amazing fight choreography and some remarkably decent homages to other shows and genres. Um, basic premise is you had a couple of angels who were kicked out of heaven for being... Uh, let me see. Too lustful and too gluttonous, or lazy, respectively. And yeah, they a bunch of winners. Yeah, they in order to get back into heaven, they have to fight a whole bunch of monsters of the week sent by uh sent by various enemies to uh you know basically mess up their city. And they get into insane combat. There's at one point a there is a running gun slash sword battle that uses Looney Tunes physics. It is. Huh, it is one of the most insane things I have ever seen. And if you're just if you're just in it for the over-the-top action and something that is that is totally willing to absolutely change its art style based on the theme of the episode they're in, like these guys will not pull any uh, will not will pull out all the stops to make sure that they uh, they tell whatever insane story they're going for at the moment. Cool. I had to pick that one up. So, uh, Brendan. Did you have any uh, other ones to add to the old action uh, genre? Yeah, I think I'm going to bleed us into the uh, the next uh, thing here. We'll start out with uh, Samurai Champloo, the spiritual cousin to Cowboy Bebop that uh, is basically about a couple of uh, deadbeat swordsmen as they murder their way across Meiji Restoration Era Japan. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I'm rather fond of it. There's a lot of, you know, pretty interesting you know, swordplay that comes up uh, as they battle different people throughout the land. And also the uh, constant reminders that the people you're dealing with, like the protagonists, they're not good people for the most part. Yeah, like they, they got a lot of the uh, the anti-hero going on. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, especially Mugen, but uh, yeah. You said you were going to bring us into our next category as well. What was that? But, uh, a show with a slightly different take on action might be... Uh, 
the old OVAs for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And a more aptly named show does not come uh, does not come along very often. <laughs> that is the JoJo's truth. Bizarre Adventure is about buff dudes doing weird shit. Uh, in general, they'll uh, rather than use any particular kind of weapon, although uh, like one of them has a, a rapier of some sort, they'll be using their like their spiritual projections that are called stands, and which each of which has like very unique and ridiculous superpowers. Well supplemented by bulging muscle punches. <laughs> oh yes, like and, and almost every character in here is a uh, an Adonis of uh, just like muscles pouring out of every which way, <laughs> like chiseled from meaty stone. <laughs> <laughs> See, another show with a character with a similar build is uh, Gwyn Saga. Oh, man. Except for the guy's head, which is, of course, a leopard head. Of course. Of course. <laughs> what else is it going to be? <laughs> Tiger? No, I guess not. Uh, I'm especially uh, fond of the first ten episodes of the uh, anime adaptation, where like, this... Uh, this guy, this incredibly buff dude with a leopard head, just wakes up in a forest with no like real recollection of uh, who he is or what he's up to, and then like comes across a pair of uh, kids who are the like the heirs to a, uh, a nearby like, kingdom, and decides to protect them from the uh, empire that's pursuing them. And, and how does he protect them? By punching people and by hitting them with swords. <laughs> Not the kids, the other people. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he pounds believe... a guy into the ground like a stake. Oh yeah, like that was a that was a great part of the first episode, which was immediately followed by him punching a guy so hard that he impacted a tree with such velocity that the helmet became embedded there and the friction caught the tree on fire. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> that guy has some, some fists on oh. Oh, yes. There's a lot of insane stuff that he does throughout the, se the series. I'm pretty sure at one point he jumps through a boulder. I don't know. <laughs> what character do you do all the time? The weird thing is that, he, is that this show doesn't actually follow, like, the kind of buff dudes doing crazy stuff like JoJo does. It's it's actually, like, a semi-serious, like, fantasy, somewhat political drama now and then. But With a guy that can punch people into trees and light them up. Exactly. Fire. All right. I'm in. <laughs> like, sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, it sort of falls apart after about the 10-episode point. It just never really is as like good it, as it is after that. Like, it goes into another arc, and... I don't... I don't like, I, don't, I can't speak for the source material, because I haven't read the books. And, dear God, there are already a lot of books. It's like, uh, what, the... I think it's, like, the longest-running uh, short novel series in the world? I think so. The anime adaptation, wow. and you know, it adapts the first several of them. I actually am a. I was very impressed at the final episode, where they just sort of said, "Like we're done animating this. Uh, like the story's obviously not over, but like this is as much closure as you're gonna get." And I think they did it pretty well. I respect that. It's a better end than a lot of stuff that just sort of, you know, like maybe we're, uh, or like if you want to read the rest, go read the. You read the manga kind of stuff. Mm. Like, they, they put a bow on it. Cool. Oh, very nice. And so, I mean, uh, music by Nobu uh, doesn't hurt either. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Uematsu, same guy who is famous for a lot of the Final Fantasy music, did the uh, ending theme, and I think some of the other music as well. I think most of the other music. Cool. Oh, very nice. So, I mean, now I don't tend to watch a huge number of, uh, I don't know what I'm going to call the kind of shonen shows. These are kind of your traditional tournament fighters and stuff, but... Ushio and Tora, and in my case, this would be the OVA. It seems like they're picking a lot of stuff that are getting adaptations, you know, roughly around now. Yeah. Uh, but the original Ushio and Tora OVA, uh, it seems about as shown as, as you're going to get. Like, there's a there's a kid who's brash and finds a spear, and the spear basically... He ends up befriending, like, this large demon cat thing, like a tiger uh, demon. And the two of them just go on ridiculous manly adventures together. Like they're they're sort of rivals. Like they're not you know they're not a hundred percent friends because like the the demon guy 
kind of likes to eat people. So he has to kind of keep that tamped down with the spirit spear that's meant to fight demons just like him, but they kind of end up growing it up anyway and fighting larger, bigger threats. But the show did just a really good job of uh, showing the two of them having fun together, I guess. Yeah, they eventually, you know, do come to, to like each other more than just fighting each other all the time. And... I don't know, a good example. Probably one of the better examples of the shonen genre that I can yeah, think because of. Because it was an OVA made in the early 90s, uh, there was some pretty graphic violence. Yeah, there was also some pretty graphic violence. Man, just split those guys in half with that spear. It's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty much what I got. Right. Well, I mentioned it before, but uh, to go into a little more detail, Yu Yu Hakusho is still probably the tournament fighter style shonen show that holds up the best of the ones that I can recall watching when I was younger. Um... Take that, Tokyo Underground. Uh, we don't talk about Tokyo Underground. But um, <laughs> Yu Yu Hakusho is about this kid who, day one, eight o'clock, he's this punk, uh, he's this punk, like, plays hooky from school, generally just gets in trouble all the time. His only real skill is fighting, and he dies. But he dies in such a way that he's basically given a chance to, you know... He's basically given a chance to try and save himself so that he can go back to the world of the living. And in doing so, becomes what is called a spirit detective, where he deals with you know, ghosts and demons and monsters and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Uh, and this eventually lands him in, you know, all sorts of wacky adventures with his, like, rival-turned-bro, uh, turned Kuwabara, and a, a pair of demons that he had... Uh, beaten earlier on and every single fight in this is just you know it's increasing they get increasingly bizarre increasingly weird they have an actual organized tournament at one point um there's a lot of the whole you know pulling a new uh superpower uh, superpower out in order to uh confront a new ridiculous enemy every other episode um everyone gets a pretty fair shake so you get to see a whole bunch of different like fighting styles and whatnot so as far as that kind of stuff goes you can't be, uh, it's hard to be better served for that sort of thing, especially from something, uh, from back then. And in general, it holds up pretty well. And, uh, I'd actually even say the English version of it, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly well done. Not, you know, amazing at all turns, but generally pretty competent voice acting, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, on a, uh, on a, on a somewhat similar note, uh, Brendan, I gotta thank you for turning me on to One Punch Man. I missed it when it first came out, but by golly, is that show insane. Just, you want to talk about a, about a buff dude doing insane things? This is, this is absolutely the show for you. Like, he is, it, the entire premise is right there in the title. It is a dude who has trained so hard that he can defeat any enemy with a single punch. That is the entire that is the entire premise, and the rest of the show is well. What weird stuff can we throw at him and all of the people around him in order to make for an interesting fight? And yeah, like there are ridiculous dudes in this thing. There is uh, there there's obviously you know Saitama, the One Punch Man. There is there is uh, Genos, a cyborg with like Iron Man style thrusters and like heat cannons and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Um, uh, help me out, Brendan. Who are some of the other uh, Who are some of the other weird guys in this? Um, oh, there's plenty, like no shortage of weird dudes. One of the early enemies is uh, a guy that you know fuses human de DNA with uh, like animal DNA to try to you know, see what sticks and how to uh, genetically engineer superior beings, and, and so they have to fight a bunch of his uh, creations. I think one of which is like a giant crab man or something, right? Uh, no, the Crab Man was a, the, uh, product of a totally different, uh, scenario. Oh, I see. <laughs> he just ate so much crab, he turned into a crab guy. Oh, yeah. As, as one does, you know, Japan. Yeah, there's, like, uh, I think also in the, near the end of the first episode, you come across a guy who was so into modding cars that he modded himself into a car. Oh, yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the show doesn't necessarily take itself oh, seriously. Oh, heavens No. It, Absolutely not. But uh yeah, just like insane insane fights, some amazing fight choreography, and just uh a lot of not even necessarily burning manly spirit, because the main character is just 
he he can, he so cannot be arsed to do anything. It is he seems to, he seems to only be a, he, he says he's a hero just for fun. I think it's almost on sufferance some of the time. So you're saying is like his his only major enemy is crushing on Wii? <laughs> yes. Yes, actually. But uh, it is it is awesome to see like fights happen that don't include him uh, as well <laughs> because those are some pretty awesome fights. Mm-hmm. Probably since the enemies don't go down in one hit. Oh yeah, this is true. I mean that that's a big part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but even when he does show up, like they they know that he is the punchline. No pun intended, but sadly, oh. I'm so sorry. It, ha- it happened. Yeah, it did. Let's. You have to live with that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna forget it. But so, yeah, he is the he is the punchline to the joke. It's just that everything else leading up to that is you know really really well done. Um, as far as other shonen stuff goes, I mean it's not really a genre that I follow a whole heck of a lot anymore. Um, I mean certain parts of like Full Metal Alchemist. I know Full Metal Alchemist has a very large female fan base. But uh, there is a certain appeal, definitely, to guys, especially when it comes to the sibling dynamic. Dynamic. I don't have a brother myself, but uh, one of my best friends does, and he is adamant that uh, Full Metal Alchemist, especially Brotherhood, but even the original one, absolutely nails the male sibling uh, dynamic. Like between these, like how much you care about this person how much you're willing to, you know, go to insane lengths to help them, and how much you piss each other off every day of your damn lives. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, that, uh, that mostly covers it. Uh, there's other weird older ones, like 3 by 3 Eyes, which has a bunch of the old ultraviolence, but is also very shown in about this dude, like... Who basically followed the Yu Yu Hakusho plot of dying day one oh, at yeah. eight o'clock and then getting resurrected with powers. Right, and his whole thing is, like, trying to save his demon girlfriend or something. Kind of. It's actually a pretty weird. Pl- it's hard to describe the mm. plot. Like he's saving her, she's saving him. There's bad guys involved. Then they kind of made more show than there was manga and made up an ending. But it is pretty fun to watch anyway. It's a good yeah. show. Uh, at least the, the, the first the first half better than the second half because that's when they ran out of mm. material. All right. Well, I think we've pretty much you know gone to the bottom of the shonen stuff that we have watched. I know there's plenty of other uh, shonen shows out there, but they're not generally our cup of tea more often than not. So, uh, Scott, I know you talked about something uh, before, a very specific kind of manliness, so uh, why don't you give us some more on that? Ah, yes. Stoicism. So I'd mention, you know, kind of the entire works of of Leiji Matsumoto here. Uh, So Basically, the, the prototypical example, you know, guys standing on a ship as they salute the Earth and go away, manly tears in their eyes, would be Space Battleship Yamato, uh, where just pretty much almost entirely dudes in uh, one girl, who is mostly token, on a spaceship going off to defend the Earth from an alien threat, uh, and doing so not through uh, manly spirit, like the handful of times that the sort of quasi-brash captain tries to do that, he usually uh, gets karma hmm. back into his ship. Uh, but he, his, his whole thing is actually learning to be a better, more cool-headed commander. So it's all about what their ship can do, what the crew can do as they work together, uh, than it is, you know, sort of yelling or spiriting your way out of a problem. And the ridiculous schemes they come up with to defeat the equally harebrained traps that they keep getting, keep having thrown at them by their enemy, right? Ah, yes, Dessler, who actually is a good example of, like, a villain that it fits the mold pretty well. A guy who is, you know, he is the bad guy, but he kind of, he keeps his cool, he's mostly honorable about what he's doing. Like, they kind of see themselves as honorable enemies of each other. Uh, so, definitely worth watching if you can handle the, uh, you know, the extremely old animation quality. Yeah. Although... Uh, I've heard good things about uh, Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Oh, really? Let me have to pick that I haven't up. seen the newer one yet. They started bringing it out over here, but I guess not enough people noticed it. Huh. And then they stopped. Well, it is a revival uh, of something that like a lot of people kind of heard about, but I don't think all that many people nowadays have seen. Yeah, I think they had a, uh, um, a hard marketing campaign ahead of them, and I'm not sure they knew how to do it properly. Hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But and if you can get a hold uh, of that, have a look. 
And there's the sort of Captain Herlock stuff. Uh, I'll admit I have not seen the best of it, but I did see uh, what was like Odyssey Across Space or something way back when. Uh, this guy also fits the mold. He also, he, I mean, he tends, actually, he's kind of the personal badass himself, and also the, you know, sort of the crew of his ship goes with the whole ideals and stoicism type things. They fly through space, ruminating on the nature of man, and so on. So, sort of slow moving, but has it definitely has its place, and I think it fits. You know, this sort of it's a show that you'd want to show your guy friends, uh, definitely. Uh, moving on to that, I already mentioned Gunbuster, and I think I already did mention actually Coach uh, and the captain of the ship who definitely fit this mold very, very well. Uh, and it's sort of like individual characters. I'll cover a few of like, if you've seen the record of Lodos War, uh, Fawn, who is the king of, uh, I guess, you know, the good army, very much fits this mold. Like He knows the bad guy's out there. He knows he needs to go fight him. He doesn't really necessarily want to but he's going to do it for the good of lodos island essentially uh, and then one of the very few non-war focused shows i can think of that features this is monster uh the sort of long-running i guess i'll call it crime drama although it's really quite a bit more than uh, that yeah there's there's really no there's really no single genre could they can really do it justice i usually refer to it as a thriller but uh even that is kind of selling it short yeah, uh, it's it's, it's okay, certainly worth watching, anyone listening. Oh, it is long, like 72 episodes, but uh, pretty amazingly put together. But there's two characters in there. The main character, uh, Dr. Tenma, who's uh, like was a surgeon, sort of becomes... He has to kind of take down a person uh, who's very manipulative, but not physically powerful, I guess. And so he needs to figure out how he's going to do that and help people along the way. And then Runge, who's this sort of police investigator guy, is another good example. Leaves behind his wife, leaves behind his family, is completely devoted to the idea of getting rid of crime uh, and, and tracking everything down and being perfect in his methods. Uh, so he they kind of fulfill this this pretty well. Uh, I think I already talked about Dessler. Uh, Danny, you got any, any good villains? Uh, well, I would definitely say that the, the there are villains in the Gundam series that uh, are you know, supposed to be following falling in these... Uh, in these kind of footsteps, um, Char is probably the most obvious one. You know, a guy who is mm. you know an absolute an absolute ace. He's you know the solo badass himself, but he also is you know he's fighting for ideals, and you know this just you know these come into conflict with the uh, protagonists regularly, um, and uh, I would say that uh, in some in some ways, Trey's from Gundam Wing also. Uh, also fits into that mold, you know, someone who is, you know, absolutely dedicated to their ideals, not to the point of starting and fighting a war that they almost certainly know they're going to lose in the long run, um, in order to, you know, prove, uh, in order to prove themselves right, in order to, uh... To pursue, yeah. to pursue an ideal. Exactly. And, uh, speaking of Record of Lotus, or, um, villain that definitely fits on this, though he doesn't really get a whole lot of development or time to shine, but you learn all about him that you really need to know is uh, Ashram from uh, Lotus War. He's the right-hand man of the, uh, of the, one of the earlier villains, and this man is, just, he is the archetypal Dark Knight. He is, he is, you know. But with a strong moral code of his with own. A, yeah, he's not, I mean, he's, he's absolutely ruthless, but he is not, uh, he's not underhanded. Right. Yeah. So I think that actually covers uh, that category pretty well. I know we're running a little long on time mm -hmm. here. Uh, but there are a number of shows that fall into this category of manly shows you'd want to show your guy friends, but don't really fit any of the categories we've previously established. And yet they still they still have that feel. You watch it and you're like, yeah, I know, I know the audience for this. So let me cover some of those in closing. Sure. Brendan, do you? Want to take us away, Brennan? Um, well, as long as we're still on ideals and stoicism, there was a. It's been a while since I've seen Soul Hunter. Oh, uh, which does kind of have a shonen vibe to it in the sense that you there's a there's a doofy main character who like is actually pretty strong and gathers a uh, a team of dudes to help him you know fight evil. Uh, and one of the one of the sort of backgroundy characters is this guy named Bunchu. Oh yeah, this guy's awesome. 
uh, who is like entirely dedicated to uh, whatever the ancient Chinese empire at the time was when this takes place. And uh, yeah, he's, he's also like super buff and he has this, uh, a lot of the characters in Soul Hunter have these uh, legendary super weapons and his is a, a whip, which uh, can destroy like mountains. It was, uh, it was pretty intense. Well, um, this is another show where there, uh, you also will notice the a lack of uh, female participation. In fact, I'm pretty sure they all die. Sheesh. Mm, yeah, I can't remember a single one that, that lives past either childbirth or being a villain. So, um, on a you know, on a different end of the spectrum, more on the you know technological appreciation side, and uh, sort of like edging into the sort of fan servicey territory that we were talking about earlier is a uh, dirty pair. It's uh which is about girls with guns in skimpy outfits. Uh, yeah. it's got uh, you know being an OVA, well, and a TV show from the uh from the 80s and a bunch of movies <laughs> and and a few movies. Uh there's a lot of you know, like uh maybe not quite pornographic uh technical detail. But there's, uh, it all looks good, and, uh, let's see, uh... Solid mechanical mm-hmm. design. Yeah, solid mechanical design, and hot pants. <laughs> which is weird, be- <laughs> A beautiful fusion. <laughs> which is weird, because really, past the first episode, most people don't even bother to acknowledge it. It's just like, these girls show up, just like professional wrestlers, and everyone's just kind of like, Alright then, you're the ones with the guns and the know-how. You deal with this. And the reputation. <laughs> and the reputation for... Collateral massive damage. collateral damage. <laughs> I think we said at the very beginning of this, like a lot of uh, comedy shows have a, it, a lot of comedy shows from the older stuff. Uh, they'll have a body count. This show has a death toll. <laughs> oh, dear. There, there are some disasters in there, but uh, fun show. Yeah. Any others you got, Brendan? Well, I was going to, I was going to try to prompt you for some similar, uh... Uh, well, I would say, um, probably the closest thing that comes to Dirty Pair, in fact, uh, what I did a, uh, double header review on, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, is Gunsmith Cats, also about two ladies, uh, going, ar- going around fighting crime, although in this case, in a meticulously rendered, uh, version of 1990 Chicago. Um, it's basically, uh, Rally, a bounty hunter, and her best friend, uh, Minnie Mae. Uh, Rally is, you know, an insane driver, drives this, you know, crazy muscle car, still, in my opinion, the most beautiful vehicle ever put to, uh, ever put to celluloid. And, uh, she is not only a, a great driver and a bounty hunter, she is also a crack shot, you know, carries a, carries a whole bunch of guns, and uh, her partner, Minnie, um, is an explosives expert. Everything of co- about this is very obviously illegal, so they get tangled up in the, uh, they get tangled up in a whole bunch of stuff with gun running and, uh, the police and, you know, crazy assassins sent after them and all sorts of stuff, and it is, it is, again, one of those things, much like, uh, much like Black Lagoon, it feels like they were trying their best to make a, uh, western-style action movie, in, you know, using anime simply as their medium. And I think they really succeed. It's a short, I believe, three-episode uh, OVA. Um, like I said, uh, shootouts, fast cars, and crazy uh, action. So definitely worth your time, especially for the uh, chase scene that happens about halfway through. Uh, speaking of chase scenes, uh, another somewhat uh, more narrow uh, genre that uh, we get into and is definitely targeted towards guys is, you know, anything to do with fast cars, racing, and that sort of stuff. Uh, Initial D is probably an example. Now, I'll be perfectly honest, I did not enjoy Initial D all that much. I, uh, I'm not a huge car guy, but, um, I appreciate the sheer amount of, like, detail and thought that they put into it. Um, and it's definitely something that if you're into cars and into anime, this is something that you might want to check out. On a somewhat more broad appeal, but definitely still a guy movie, 
is Redline. Holy <laughs> heck is Redline a guy movie. It is... I was going to say, broader appeal? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, fair. <laughs> broader genre appeal for guys. <laughs> that is a fair point. It's like, it is a racing show that is also in space. There's even like a kaiju battle at one point. It is... There is nothing I can say that does justice to the insanity that goes on in Redline. It is a ride. It, and the incredible visual oh, detail. Yeah. Like... His movie is, it is beautiful. Beauti- it is beautiful. The guy who, uh, the guys working on that went on to do uh, Space Dandy, which I would also say is probably a definite guy show, though one that is, you know, very much more a comedy than a, uh, you know, about action or manly dudes and all that kind of stuff. It's just a, it's a, it is a, a wandering bounty hunter who is, who fancies himself as some kind of suave, uh, not sophisticated, but a, you know, a worldly man, but is really just a boob. <laughs> but uh, still, can be pretty fun to watch because he is never dem- he is never shown to be anything but a massive boob, and gets uh, generally gets his comeuppance at the end of almost every episode. And when he doesn't, usually there's some other payoff as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that about covers it for most of my stuff. Um, Scott, any uh, last minute entries? Yeah, in terms of sort of an eclectic collection of other shows, uh, I guess I'll go through them kind of quick. Uh, I thought Iria uh, kind of fell into this speaking category. It's got a female bounty hunter. Yeah, speaking of bounty hunters, uh, female bounty hunter who just goes on adventures in space, fighting everything from like terrible bio plagues to genies in there, like these robot genies that with machine guns in their city. Hmm to car chases using essentially the land speeders from Star Wars, to giant shootouts with the military. Uh, this is a show that has a lot of the technical detail uh, that seems to typify this yeah, sort of I'm thing. Yeah, sure I'm pretty sure there's not mm-hmm. a single thing on her person that isn't designed to hurt somebody. Oh, yes. And everything on Arya's outfit is a, is a weapon, pretty much. Uh, definitely a cool show. Sort of, again, in the, the 80s action movie style. Well, I think that one might be more of an uh, early 90s, but I don't remember the exact date. Well, the, the show is, but in terms of like a feel for a Western ah. audience, 80s action movie is kind of where you're going with that. Uh, then there's Outlaw Star, which is pretty much about an awesome, brash dude and his crew of people going off and having awesome space adventures. Uh, and fighting people with ships that have giant arms so they can hit other ships with weapons and or the arms themselves. Man, that was dumb. <laughs> hey, you know what? If if your ship has a big beefy arm on it, you know it's meant for guys. Right? <laughs> that is actually a very valid point. <laughs> uh, definitely a show worth watching. I don't want to go into too much detail due to time constraints here. So let's move right on to The Irresponsible Captain Tyler, uh, which is kind of the story of... An incompetent boob succeeding at life through sheer laziness and luck at being a space captain. Do you believe in karma? <laughs> right. Like, it's an almost entirely male crew uh, with some female characters thrown in largely for uh, either encouragement or eye candy. Uh, just kind of, what if you took the space battle, like, sort of a space opera genre and kind of parodied it, kind of, I don't know, traipsed through it <laughs> not really sure what to call it but it definitely has an appeal uh maybe if you're the kind of guy that just wishes that life could be easy and you could be awesome somehow despite that like spot not not really working very hard at it uh and then there's photon which pretty much goes against most of the things we said it's uh tons of fan service kind of harami though not really but unbelievably funny at least to me and it's mostly like the dumbest physical humor you can imagine. It is it is pretty lowbrow, but I will admit it made me laugh. It just makes up. It's got a villain with the awesome name of Papacharino Nanadan who shows up to Spanish fanfares almost always naked from the waist down and with a sensor bar that follows him around all the time. Like kicking people, being awful and just doing terrible things to everyone he sees, but often getting ridiculous comeuppance. Uh, and the team of kind of whatever you want to call it, the ragtag group that accidentally ends up opposing him. Uh, very, very. I'm funny. pretty sure nothing in that I, nothing in that movie is intentional on the hero's side. It's pretty much all a series of bizarre accidents and happenstance. 
Yes, but it, it definitely fits a category of I would definitely want to show this to guy mm. friends. Uh, and I mean that's what I've got. When you guys anything last things before we wrap up? Uh, just a couple of other things I'll toss out real quick. Um, Dominion Tank Police, a post-apocalyptic future in which the world is so polluted and crime-ridden the police have tanks. That's your premise right there. If that's not a show for guys, I don't really know what is. Um. I mean, not to mention, like, Catgirl Street. Oh, jeez, yeah, so that's... It's, yeah, it's got everything for guys. Yeah, well, that did happen. We don't talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, great teacher Onizuka, again, kind of a, not really a boob, but an awful human being, uh, succeed... The awful human being is put in charge of a classroom. Oh, God, he is, he is just the worst, but, like, starts to kind of, like, grow into a, uh... Sort sort of grows into a responsible adult while also like berating and making men or women out of his ki- out of his kids in the most like brute force methods possible by like dragging them yes. around, getting them involved in like motorcycle gang fights and other sorts of insane stuff. Yeah, a tough love approach to Japanese classroom yeah. learning. It's pretty unique. Yeah. God, what a punk. <laughs> Uh, you've also got, you know, I would say Cowboy Bebop is definitely something that's more targeted towards guys between the bounty hunter sort of background, the, uh, the tons and tons of insane mechanical design porn you've got going on, um, and a combination of, you know, teams, uh, of like a team of badasses and each, each of them individually in their own way can be sort of the unflappable badass, depending on the circumstance. It is kind of a whole team of that sort of people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. All right. I think pretty good ending point. Fair enough. Uh, what else is there to say? I mean, if you guys who are listening have some awesome suggestions for manly shows, let us know. All right. Sounds good. We want to hear about it. Yeah. Cool. All right, folks. Uh, I think that's going to be it for us today, but uh, we will hopefully be back before too long with more podcasts. And uh, don't hesitate to check out the rest of our reviews and sites. New Rolling Review is coming up soon, at least as of the uh, recording of this show. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good one. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.